Support for NPR-mageddon is brought to you in part by the Gouge School for Blind Musicians. The Gouge School hones their students' ears for music by plucking out their eyes, allowing them to develop their gift naturally. So if intense musical focus through ocular mutilation is music to your ears, then we're the conservatory for you. The Gouge School for Blind Musicians. You're listening to NPR McKenna, National Post-Apocalyptic Radio. Putting the ew. In news. From NPR again in Los Angeles, I am Brian Garcia McMillan Keithley. If you woke up this morning to find a splatty red mark somewhere in your home, no need to panic. You are not alone. Colin Kelly has more. That was the sound heard all across Los Angeles at the stroke of midnight when, for some unknown but no doubt nefarious reason, all the ear mice in Los Angeles decided to explode. I will never be able to get that taste out of my mouth. This woman claimed she was giving her ear mouse a kiss goodnight when it exploded in her face. I was like, goodnighty whitey little baby, and he was like, and vibrating like crazy, and then blam, blood city, population, me. But why did you decide to keep the blood on your face instead of cleaning it off? I'm in mourning. And she's not alone in her pain. Fans of ear mice all across the city have come together to grieve the loss of their ever-listening friends. It just goes to show you, you don't know what you got till it's gone. I'm gonna miss that furry little guy and all the fun times we had. I'm very sorry for your loss. What do you think you'll miss the most? Of the ass play. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely gonna miss the ass play. Ass play aside, what made all the ear mice explode at once? Was it the sudden overthrow of the Skullgore regime, a terrorist conspiracy, or a cheese-borne virus? It was the first thing I said. And so a city mourns the loss of its national bird, the ear mouse, in the only way it knows how. Lots and lots of violent rioting. Colin Kelly, NPR Mageddon. And joining us in studio today is the folk duo of Landon and Via, famous for their song, don't tamper with the ear mouse. Yeah, thanks so much. I'm glad to be here, yeah. And in light of recent events, you two have prepared another song for us today. Is that right? Yes, yes it is. Yeah, when we heard that all the ear mice exploded, we knew we had to sing about it. The last time we wrote a song about the ear mouse, it was mandated by the government. Yeah, but this song truly comes from our hearts. Gosh, how touching. What's the song called? It's called The Night the Ears Went Silent. Yeah. Yeah. That's so nice. We hope you like it. Yeah, you're, you're going to love it. Oh, it's so good. Fantastic. I'm sure I will. Here's Landon and Via with their new song, The Night the Ears Went Silent. Take it away. The clock strikes twelve And the earmouse goes Yes, the earmouse goes <laughs> Huh. Well, 
that was Landon and Via with their song, The Night the Ears Went Silent. All about how the ear mouse went, well, splat. I'm not sure you have any sort of hit song here, but I'm sure the kids will like it. Shop proudly presents Different Can Be Cool Too. Kids' poems celebrating genetic nonconformity, featuring Vivian Twelvefingers. People called her Mutant Mary, eight feet tall and kind of hairy. From her tusks down to her feet, her skin was hard as metal sheets. And though she was just six years old, she was a nightmare to behold. And all the neighborhood did cry when Mutant Mary walked on by. A man named Kevin, who thought himself manly, attacked Mutant Mary in the name of his family. And though she never battled back, he claimed he'd been the one attacked. The whole town scorned the giant girl, and sticks and stones the mob did hurl. They drove poor Mary into hiding down to a place much more inviting. And in the sewers below the grate, Mutant Mary cried with hate. How could the town have been so cruel? Over tusks and skin and hair and drool. Up above, the people cheered and thought they were quite free from fear. But smiles quickly turned to frowns when a nasty gang rode into town. The gang had clubs and guns and knives and swore they'd leave no man alive. The townsfolk tried their best to flee, frightened by such weaponry. Sensing fear, the gang attacked, putting bullets in people's backs. And when Mutant Mary heard the commotion, it stirred in her a great emotion. For though the townsfolk were quite mean, this was her town, her turf, her scene. She rose up from her watery den and faced the leader there and then. Open fire! Slay that beast! yelled the man through gritted teeth, and all the gang with bated breath unleashed a hail of fiery death. Mutant Mary feared her end. Perhaps to heaven she'd ascend, but to everyone's slack-jawed amazement, her skin was hard as concrete pavement. The bullets flew, but nothing stuck, and that's when Mary ran amuck. She charged right in and was invincible. Her leather hide was next to mythical. Her armor was so hard, they say, that all the bullets ricocheted. The killers ran and dove for cover as the bullets bounced like rubber. And as for the leader of the pack, a bullet hit him in his sack. He doubled over and cried with rage. Then Mary crushed his whole rib cage. All the folks came back to town, and Mary did they gather round. Was she villain, or was she savior? Would she punish their bad behavior? Mary looked around the crowd while flashing her tusks to keep them cowed, and declared that she'd protect the town, but she would never be looked down. So Mary came to rule the place, and instead of scorning her wart-covered face, the folks made statues in her honor and came to know her as more than a monster. 
and while Mary ruled with an iron hand, her generosity was grand. Well, all except for Kevin. She smashed his head like a freaking melon. That was A Mutant Named Mary by Vivian Twelvefingers. Read by the author. Commissioned by Chomp. Citizens helping our mutant people. Our secret plan to take over society has been greatly exaggerated. You're listening to NPR Mageddon, National Post-Apocalyptic Radio. Are your ears hungry for the news? Then you need to think about making the very difficult decision to cut them from your body. They're probably possessed. By themselves, ears should not exhibit things like hunger. Traditionally, when the Blood Pope heads out from the confines of the SS Basilica, the Pontiff of Plasma likes to travel in style in what is affectionately called the Mobile. And when Blood Pope Hilder unveiled her new Holy Roller, we sent NPR McGinn's own Natalie Watchin to kick the tires. Traditionally, Pope mobiles are modified from luxury pre-calamity motor vehicles. But Pope Hilder has a skewed tradition and gone for a vehicle that's a little more... What's the word I'm looking for? Badass. I was going to say robust. Papal auto mechanic Justin Retke was kind enough to show me Pope Hilder's Pope mobile. So, what do you think? It looks like a tank. It's a modified, customized, and sodomized M1 Abrams tank. Sodomized? I've crammed so much firepower up this bad boy's keister, there's just no better way to put it. Somehow I doubt that. The secondary machine guns alone are each capable of firing 950 caliber rounds of pure screaming death. And as for the gigantic cannon thing at the top, I assume that's also a delivery system for pure screaming death. Oh, it sure is. Pope Hilder wasn't satisfied with the standard M256A1 smoothbore and opted for a suborbital screamer beam powered by the souls of the unbaptized. Here, I'll show you. Quite holy. It really is a sight to see. And while we do adhere to the maxim that the best defense is a good offense, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the depleted uranium mesh reinforced composite armor and the protection runes that are laser etched on by the holiest of slave artisans. But why is it painted white? I was under the impression that the official color of the church is blood red, is it not? No, it it is. So then why paint the Pope Mobile white? If we painted the Pope Mobile red, we couldn't see the sacrificial blood on the chassis. Here, I'll show you. Bring me an atheist. One atheist. Coming right up. This isn't really necessary. Oh, it's no bother. We do this every day. Please, let me go. I've done nothing wrong. Nothing wrong? You deny the existence of the blood god! I deny nothing. But I do not see any evidence that a blood god exists. My faith trumps your need for evidence. Please, no. I beg you, see reason. Taste my blade, atheist. No! And I shall use your blood to bless this holy vessel! Now, you see how nicely his blood contrasts against the white paint of the Pontmobile. It's just magic. <laughs> if you say so. Tell me, do you have a personal relationship with the blood god? Um, you bet. I'm, um, 
super duper devout. Yay, Blood God! Good girl! Reporting from the deck of the SS Basilica, Natalie Wachen, NPR Mageddon. It's just magic. Drugs kill, but the good stuff looted straight from a clinic or abandoned hospital building? Those make you feel like you could conquer the world! Medical-grade opioids are just a sublime, sublime high, with no negative side effects I can see. If you haven't taken a trip to Numsville, you really haven't lived. Thank you. In a turn of events which may be shocking to some, but certainly not surprising to me, Overrated dogball player Hyland Labrea was taken into custody this morning after allegedly biting his fiance. From the Sports and Government Desk, Lacey Harmon has more. Hyland Labrea became one of the faces of the Malibu Marauders franchise when he was named dogball MVP earlier this year. But now his future with the organization is questionable at best. I want to set the record straight. Straight as an arrow. Arrow to the heart. Ace of hearts. Ace of spades. Spade or neutered. I don't want to be spade. Wait, which do the boys get? Spade or neutered. Whichever one they do to them, them the boys, the Bazalzinga doesn't want that one done to him. Okay? Meow, meow. Labrea's attorney described the incident as a, quote, minor physical altercation that may or may not involve rabies, unquote. But according to the police report, it was totally rabies. LaBrea's supermodel fiancé blames herself. I shouldn't have given Highland direct eye contact. I blame myself. I was really asking for it. But the recording of the incident paints another picture entirely. <laughs> Easy there. Let's just go for a walk, okay, boy? Yeah. And then we'll get a treat. What's a treat? Doesn't that sound good? Ooh. Yeah. Upon news of the leaked recording, Dogball Commissioner Jerry East weighed in on the biting controversy. Dogball is a family-driven blood sport. We don't support non-sanctioned biting. Effective immediately, Highland Labrea will be suspended from next season's league play for an entire game. He didn't let me finish. An entire game. Plus five games on top of that. Six games total. Uh, wrong way? Wait, what I meant is, I will give Highland LaBrea a stern talking to for six minutes. This prompted LaBrea to make yet another statement to the press. I'm not going to just sit here and roll over and play dead like some little poochie pooch pooch. There's a lot of fight left in this dog ball player. Now back off of the Bazaza Zinger, the Bazaza Zinger's going to bite you. <laughs> Reactions from dogball fans everywhere have been mixed. He should have killed her! He should have killed her! He should have killed her! LaBrea himself has lucrative endorsement deals with many rabies-related products and is in danger of giving both dogball and rabies a bad name. And that could cost him not only fans, but money. And money is awesome. Lacey Harmon, NPR Mageddon. Support for NPR Mageddon comes from Shatapi Steaks. Meat made from human waste that tastes somewhat like beef. Tired of meat that tastes like crap? Try crap that tastes like meat. Sort of. Shatapi Steaks. And now for a trip down memory lane. Some of you might remember Tommy L., the former longtime host of this very program. He joins us in the studio to tell us about his new venture. How you doing, Tommy? Well, let me start out with this. 
Loyal longtime listeners, true believers, here we are together again on the radio. Radio is life, ladies and gentlemen, and life is good. <laughs> Absolutely. Welcome back. I assume this means you're no longer mad at me for, well, you know. I'm glad you're addressing this at the top of the segment because I want to clear the air. Some Angelinos, and I don't want to say who, but some Angelinos have accused you of throwing me under the bus. Uh, we did used to operate out of a bus, yes. Well, the idea is just crazy. It's wacko. The bus wasn't even moving at the time. And technically, I just threw you out of the bus, not under it. And it wasn't just you. Heidi was there and the Ouija. What happened to them anyway? Well, Heidi's on a farm. Oh, she's a farmer now. Uh, Heidi's on a farm. And the Ouija? You know what? Let's take some calls like you used to do back in the day. Okay. Let's try um, Amanda from Eagle Rock. Uh, Amanda, you're on NPR Mageddon with Tommy L. Tommy, I love you, love you, love you. Love you too, darling. I am so thankful you're back on the air. Oh, well, he's not back. Can I tell you the truth, Tommy? By all means. Brian makes me want to rip my ears off and stick them in my ass. My own ass. That's how annoying he is. Now, Brian's doing important work here. It's information, not entertainment. Isn't that right, Brian? Well, I mean, I hope it's entertaining. No, you suck, Brian. Blow me up, Tommy. This is Brian's show, but what the hell? It looks like the whole Tommy L soundboard is intact. The old school blow-up Tommy L style. This is fun. Let's take another call. Jerry from Torrance. You're on MP Armageddon. I just want to say that, Tommy, I think you are a disgusting human being. You're a pig. Total trash. Well, that's enough of you. Don't have time for losers. Let's move on. Uh, actually, Tommy, uh, every voice deserves to be heard. <laughs> this is an open forum. Now, Jerry, is there anything else you'd like to add? Yeah. No matter how bad Tommy is, Brian, you're so unbelievably worse that it makes me want to rip my ears off and stick them in my ass. My own ass. Well, okay. Take me out, Tommy. Cannibal style. One cannibal style coming right up. <laughs> Uh, should we take another caller? No, let's just talk about why you're here. All right. After leaving radio, I got into winemaking. Wine has always been a passion of mine, and now I'm launching my own wine under the Tommy L brand. Oh, nice. Do you make red wine or white wine? It's black wine. Black wine. That's unusual. That's unusually innovative. I know. I've mastered the process to distill alcohol from tar and naturally occurring tar sugars from our very own La Brea Tar Pits. That's weird. That's weirdly titillating. I couldn't agree more. Let me pour you a glass. No, that's not necessary. Not necessarily what you were expecting. But I admire your sense of adventure and your willingness to try new things. Thanks. Let me just uncork it here. All right, I don't suppose it could hurt. Here goes. Cheers! Oh, it's very thick. Well, it's thick and it goes down thick. Let me help you with that. Pinch your nose and... Why is it so warm? You have to heat it up or it will turn back into a solid. It's an acquired taste. Oh, I don't feel so good. Well, if you're going to be that way, why don't you go to the bathroom and flush your mouth out? 
I'll keep the console warm for you. Okay. I'll be right back. There you go. Brian's gone, and do you know what that means, listeners? Welcome back to the radio talk show that is... Not hosted by a bloodthirsty cannibal or a homeschool dropout. No! This is MP Armageddon. I am your host, Tommy L. Now back to your calls. Greg, out of Flintridge, you're on. Hello, Tommy. Hello, Greg. Long time, first time. Glad to have you with us. What's on your mind? It's my wife, Abigail. She's nagging me, Tommy. A wife nagging? What do you know? Now, what exactly is she nagging you about? Well, she doesn't want me playing dog ball or gambling or... Or, or raiding, or, or hanging out with my boys. You're painting a vivid picture here, Greg. And let me ask you, and I think I know the answer to this, who's doing most of the housework at home? I am. I, I do the dishes. I I, I, I sew up our clothes. I, I do the cooking. Unfortunate, unfortunate. Do you know what I advise? What? Sacrifice that bitch. You think so? The unholy scriptures are clear here, Greg. Great rewards are in store for you here and in the next life if you sacrifice that bitch. You know what? I'm going to try it. Uh, Thanks, Tommy. Hey, can you you take me out radiation style? Absolutely. See you later, Greg. Next up, Kevin from the Wasteland. Kevin, you're on the air. Hey, Tommy! Hey there, what can I do for you? Well, I've been seeing my girlfriend for a few years. Girlfriend? You sound like a young man. Why do you have a girlfriend? Well, I love her, Tommy. So, you love her, or you think you do. But go on. What's going on with the girlfriend? She's pressuring me to get married. She said it's the safest way to do things out in the Wasteland. Safe? Is that how you want to live your life, Kev? The safe way? Or do you want to live as a man? Gosh, I don't know. I can kind of see both sides. There's only one side, Kev. Your side. And I actually have an elegant solution to your dilemma. What's that? Sacrifice that bitch. The blood god's favor is worth about a thousand girlfriends. It's not even close. It's not even a race. Really? Absolutely. Those who honor the blood god are given a special seat at the table. Do you want a seat at that table? Or you want to be left out in the cold over some girl? Gosh, I think you're right. I'll do it tonight. There's my boy. Can you play me out cage match style? Kevin's going out like a real man cage match style. Next, we have Abigail from South Hollywood. Abigail, what's cooking? Tommy, I just want to say, your previous caller, Greg... Uh, Greg with the nagging wife, yes. That's my husband, Tommy. It is? And I am no bitch. I don't know about that. You sound like a bitch to me. Even if I was a bitch, what gives you the right to tell him to sacrifice me? It's entertainment, dear. People call, I give them great advice. It's just how it works. What the hell am I supposed to do? I'd say if you don't want to be sacrificed to the blood god, you have to sacrifice Greg before Greg sacrifices you. You think so? I do, Abigail. You've got to sacrifice your husband. you got to sacrifice that bitch. The blood god doesn't really care who gets sacrificed, just as long as blood is spilled, you get me? 
Yeah, you're right, Tommy. I'm gonna sacrifice that bitch. Good for you. Call back and let me know how that goes. I will, Tommy. Take me out old school. Here you go. Roger coming at us from Redondo. Roger, what's on your mind? Yeah, I got a big problem, Tommy. Huge, huge, huge problem. And what's that? Brian Garcia McMillan Keithley. The man has no love for the blood god. None. He doesn't deserve this platform. You do, Tommy. The people need you. Sure, Brian's adoration of the blood god leaves much to be desired. That's what I'm saying. But we must do something about Brian. What would the blood god do? As much as I hate to say it, and it pains me to say it, but when it comes to Brian Garcia McMillan Keithley, we gotta sacrifice that bitch. Yes! Win, Tommy, win. We're ready. Soon, Roger, when the time is right. Hey, I'm back. Gotta go. Whew, I'm okay. Sorry about that. What did I miss? And that was Roger from Redondo. Good call. Excellent call. Brian has just reassumed the helm here. How you hanging in there, Bri? Oh, I'm good. I hacked most of that stuff up. Well, back to the drawing board with the tar wine, sounds like. Too thick for the lightweights? Now, Tommy... You weren't telling people to sacrifice bitches to the blood god again, were you? Just spreading the good word, Brian. But it was respectful and informative. And hey, if you ever need a fill-in, I truly do hope you think of me. Yeah, maybe. And now a special message from the blood pope. People of Los Angeles, heed my call. An epidemic is plaguing our fair city. Dull cutting edges. I see some of you fighting in the streets with butter knives and rusty old lawnmower blades that couldn't even cut in line. You should properly care for your weapons with the official Blood Church Sharpening Stone. Don't be a cloth block. Let the blood flow freely. And remember, a sharpened slice is twice as nice. Now, get out there and help us take over the world. And now with our Betatech First Alert traffic update, here's John. If the traffic is smooth or if it's slow, here's the person who's sure to know do What do you got there, John? I have put the traffic report in this envelope and I have sealed it. Okay, open it up and tell us what's going on. Oh, I, I'm not sure that's a good idea, Brian. The mere act of observing this traffic information could adversely affect the traffic. I'm not sure I'm ready for that responsibility. That's ridiculous. Give me the envelope. Are you sure? Yes, I'm sure. Brian, the observer cannot be fully divorced from the phenomenon he's observing. Once you open that envelope, you'll become part of the traffic itself. Just give me that stupid thing. Okay, here we go. Slight backup on the 10 West. Okay. And hundreds dead on the 10 East? The cause is not known at this time, but it is undoubtedly mysterious. Well, I hope you're happy. But, but that's not my fault. Whatever you need to tell yourself. 
In our hectic, half-starved world, we often feel the compulsion to eat things we find on the ground. These things may or may not be edible. How do you know? You don't, at least not before taking that first bite. That's part of the thrill, so do your part. Try to eat things and then tell others about which of those things did not make you throw up. We're all hungry and that information would be interesting to us. Thank you. Ever since Blood Pope Hilder ascended to the papacy, one question has been on everyone's mind. When would she meet new president Hart Fisher? That when was last night. We have NPR Magen's Jackson Lansing in studio to tell us more about this historic meeting. So Jackson, you have two powerful and newly minted world leaders meeting for the first time. How did it go? In a word, not good. That's two words. In a word, bad. Thank you. So what happened? In how many words? Several. President Fisher warmly welcomed Her Holiness, but it all went south when Hart refused the pontiff's gift of a flesh-bound blood testament, citing his lack of belief in the blood god. Their meeting lasted all of seven minutes. Yikes. Not a great sign. And this is, of course, the first time a blood pope has met with a sitting president in over 50 years. So do we have any idea why their meeting was so short? Uh, it's hard to say, but aides close to both parties claim that there was just an overall lack of chemistry between the two of them. Chemistry? Well, that's better than a lack of geology, because then that could really get rocky. Yeah, or a lack of geometry, because then things really would not be shaping up well at all. Or, or a lack of astronomy, because then they'd really be light years away from an understanding. Yeah, or how about a lack of mathematics, which just wouldn't add up? Yeah, or a lack of astronomy, because then they'd really be light years away from an understanding. Anyway, both delivered statements after the meeting. Here's what acting President Fisher had to say. My fellow lost Angelinos, do you value freedom? Or do you fucking crave domination from some weird, cooked-out, ass-job wearing a funny fucking hat? The choice is yours to make. And in that spirit, I'm bringing back the ancient tradition of free democratic elections. We will hold a series of traditional presidential debates between the candidates. We will hold a vote, and we will let the people decide who will best represent them. And to ensure everyone's freedom, Amos, the weaponized satellite, will be patrolling the skies with the laser of freedom. He will not hesitate to rain freedom down on anyone who is not free. I trust you will make the right goddamn decisions, you fucking morons. Thank you so very much. That's exciting news from Fisher, but it's not surprising given his history of activism on this topic. Standard Fisher stuff here, yeah, but Pope Hilder's statements confirm that there is no love lost between these two. I support this filthy heathen's decision for open elections, and I look forward to working with whomever acquires the presidency. <laughs> That's one hard bitch. The hardest. Indeed. Thank you, Jackson. My pleasure. And there you have it. Our next president will be a democratically elected one. But what do you think, Los Angeles? Are we ready to choose our leader? Let's go to the phones and see what you think. What's on your mind? We'd really like to hear. Hello, caller. You're on NPR Armageddon. <coughs> and a classy call right out of the gate. 
Let's see if lightning strikes twice. Caller, you're on NPR Mageddon. Hello? Yes, caller, you're on the air. This is Mr. Stimson. Oh, the oldest man in Los Angeles. Now tell me, old man Stimson, due to your advanced age, the only future you have to look forward to is a grim death. But what's your take on the future of Los Angeles politics? Less grim than your own death? I think the future of Los Angeles politics will take on the pallor and consistency of bat guano. Bat guano? What's gotten you so cranky and old? Skullgore's goon patrol locked me up for the simple crime of perspicacity. Perspicacity? Now you're just being old. I say nay, good sir, nay. This fuckery will not stand. Well, if you feel so strongly, why don't you do something about it? Maybe I will. You know what? I won't hold my breath. <clears throat> Let's go to another caller. Hello, you're on NPR Mageddon. Okay, this is going about as well as expected. Let's take another swing. Caller, you're on NPR Mageddon. What? How do you know? You called me, pal. Go ahead with your comment. What do you think of today's events? I don't know about your today's events. I'm not there with you. Not what's happening in the booth, jackass. I'm talking about in the world at large. And I'm telling you, I'm not there. That's why I was calling you. Look, big guy, I don't have the time to teach each caller how the radio works. <laughs> don't flatter yourself. I'm a seasoned radio professional. If you're a radio professional, I will eat my spiked shoulder pads. Oh, yeah? Well, get ready for a spicy meal there, tough guy. Go screw yourself and have a great day. Good lord. It takes all kinds, huh? It takes all kinds. Okay, we're going to try one more. What say you, caller? What up, Brian? What it is. What it was. What it will be. And can you dig it? Um, I can dig it, sure. I said, can you dig it? I, I can dig it, okay? I knew that you could. This is Skullgore, and I'm back, baby. I just heard the good news, so I'm throwing my hat in the ring. I'm gonna get me that second term, sweeter than the first. Can you dig it? Am I to understand that you, former President Skogor, want to become president again? Yeah. May I remind you, sir, that your ridiculous policies led to an embarrassing exit from public life. Uh-huh. You, former president, are a man who has consistently exhibited a casual disregard for even the basic standards of personal and professional decency. That's right. If I am getting this correct, you are a man, if we can call you that, what? who would crawl back to a public who who celebrated joyously his departure. Wrong! I just want to get this straight for the record. Are you set to brazenly exploit an emerging democracy? An emerging democracy, sir? Now you're talking! In order to circumvent that very process to reinstall yourself as some malevolent dictator. Do I have all that right? That's right, baby. Can you dig it? That's my new slogan. Re-elect President Skogor. Can you dig it? Well, it is catchy, I'll give you that. Thank you. But what does it mean? Digging is a state of mind. Can you dig is like, can you be? Can you is? Can you will be? Can you dig the future? Can you undig the past? Can you dig the corpses I'm going to be creating on a daily basis? 
Can you dig it? Inspiring. Digging as a metaphor for life. Yeah, well, honestly, I've been doing a lot of digging making my homemade bomb shelter at my undisclosed location. A lot of digging. Damn. So, how will you adapt your platform to a democratic election? What do you mean? Well, in a democracy, the people choose their leaders. I don't need any of that nonsense. I just need to get close enough to Hart Fisher so he can use his death laser on me. And I'll take care of the rest. Can you dig it? I don't think that will work. We shall see, Brian. We shall see. Can you dig it? Well, you heard it here first. Disgraced former President Skolgor has come out of the woodwork to lay claim to his former position. He has asked would-be followers to, quote, dig it. But what is it? A hole? The holes in our collective hearts? Personally, I hope he can fill all our holes. Speaking of holes, I need to shut my own hole and end the show. This is Brian Garcia McMillan Keithley reminding you that to live is to suffer, to survive is to find some meaning in the suffering. Have a good one. NPR Mageddon is written and produced by Brian Keithley and Peter Podgurski. Wait, 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 stop. Okay, we're going to pause our usual spiel here to tell you that this has been our penultimate episode. Crazy, right? Just one more show left, and let me tell you, we're pulling out all the stops in the finale. You know in your heart that NPR Mageddon is the best audio series of all time, so don't keep it to yourself. Tell every cool person you know, but they gotta be cool. The people who get it, you know who they are. And let's end season one with a bang. Now, back to the spiel. The series was mixed by the ace of audio, the siren of sound, the Amy Reed. The theme of NPRmageddon is by Society Burning. Our email is info at nprmageddon.com and our phone number is 213-437-9506. Call us and give us a piece of your mind, just like Evil Ned. This is Evil Ned, NPRmageddon's number one propagandist. Just want to say I love each episode. There's truly nothing like NPRmageddon. Every episode I have to share with everyone I know. I force them to listen to it. I force them to listen to it every day. I love you guys. I love you guys. Here's the full cast. Episode 9, Mouse Blood is Thicker Than Wine. Jello Biafra, Amy Landon, Brian Keithley, Colin Kelly, Erica Ishii, Jim Eusterman, Zach Via, Jeffrey Peterson, Betsy Baker, Natalie Wachen, Justin Redke, Heath Corson, Tazon Day, Lacey Harmon, Christopher Bruce, Cindy Fang, Justin Conrad, John Shepard, Andy Viner, Angela Cockrell, Neil Brown, Barbara Goodson, John Delancey, Jackson Lansing, Hart D. Fisher, Harlan Ellison, and Lejean. As some of you know, the Writers Guild of America is on strike, and we know that a lot of WGA Union members listen to our show. So we just wanted to say, we're with you, we see you, and we support you. Union Strong! Next time on NP Armageddon, we are your source for full coverage of the presidential debate, where the candidates will make their cases to the people. Who should rule Los Angeles? 
Is it disgraced former president, Truby Skullgore? Actually, I think that's a great idea. Political activist turned terrorist, Hart Fisher. When do we start? I'll throw a party. I'll get a band. We'll have a keg. Or elderly statesman, Old Man Stimson. You young punks with your narcotics and your hope for the future. I say. Moderated by NPR Mageddon's own, Brian Garcia McMillan Keithley. Well, ain't this just a kick in the head? The marketplace of ideas is running low on inventory, and democracy is on back order. Featuring the voice talents of Harlan Ellison, Lejean, Hart D. Fisher, Barbara Goodson, Keith Corson, Amy Dallin, Tay Zonday, and many, many others. Hell yeah! Can you dig it? All this and more in NPR Mageddon Episode 10, The Presidential Debate.